you know, every sales process or service process or operation process has an if then statement. If the client says this, then you want to do this. If they say this, then you want to do this. And it's not really rocket science. It's just the work of documenting that it's hard. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey guys, thank you for joining me on the show today. I appreciate it. If you are a returning listener, thank you for coming back. Thank you for loyalty. You're the best. If you're a new listener, thank you for joining us, for giving us a shot. I hope I crush all of your expectations and I totally hit it out of the park with this episode. And I think I will, guys, because we're living in a different world now. We are living in a world of virtual uh, remote working, right? We're, we're all sort of like not in the same space anymore when we're at work. And the guy that I have on today is the founder of my Outdesk. It is a company dedicated to helping you find virtual assistants. His name is Daniel Ramsey, and he is, like I said, the CEO and founder of my Outdesk, the highest rated virtual assistant company in the marketplace with over 500 five-star reviews, and over 13 years of experience serving more than 6,000 clients just like you. Daniel founded My Outdesk during the last global financial crisis in 2008, and I'm not saying we're in a financial crisis right now, but I think there's some similarities and some overlap, and maybe going forward, there could be even more similarities. So uh, he founded this company back in 2008 to help businesses leverage the remote workplace and scale businesses with virtual assistants. Daniel's a smart guy. He knows his industry. He knows his business. He's running a good company. And I think this this interview will help answer some of the questions you may have about virtual assistants. I asked him some questions of, you know, some harder questions like reasons why I have not uh, hired assistants from the Philippines in a long time because I had some issues that they didn't work out. And I, I asked him some of those questions and got some great answers from him. So if you're interested in scaling your business and using virtual assistants, which by the way, guys, it's super cost effective, right? You're going to pay folks in the Philippines a lot less than you're going to pay someone locally because the cost of living is less and, and the wages are just less. So this is an interview I think you really need in this day and age. So hopefully you enjoy this. And without any further ado, I give you Daniel Ramsey. All right, Daniel, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this and to join us here on Just Don't Real Estate. So thank you. Yeah, Mike, glad to be here. Yeah, awesome. I'm excited about this conversation. I think, you know, it's always a good one. What we're going to talk about and, and what you do is always necessary. But I really believe right now, the time that we're in and going through, it might even be more necessary for a lot of obvious reasons. But we'll dig into that in a minute. What I would like to do is dial the clock back a little bit. And let's talk about Daniel before my out desk. What were you doing? And how yeah. did you get into this wild and crazy business that we're in right now? And, and what pulled you in that direction? I love to tell people that I accidentally started my out desk. Like it was a mistake, like <laughs> literally a, a mistake, but I'll start with the pain. Cause there's always pain for entrepreneurs or anybody out there. I never learn a lesson unless my heart hurts or my wallet. Like those are the two ways I learn something, right? I've got to lose a lot of money or feel a lot of pain in my own personal world. So here's what's happened. I'm, I'm in Guatemala. I'm tramping through the rainforest, right? And I'm on my honeymoon. So I just got married three days in. We're in a Francis Ford Coppola resort in Guatemala. So think rainforest, bungalows and trees and monkeys. There's this huge, the one of the largest lakes in Central America is in front of our, our bungalow. 
my wife and I were going through ruins. We're eating exotic food and like the pineapple thing. And it's just this beautiful, wonderful experience. And I found myself at the bar at one in the morning, closing a real estate deal, literally working the, the bar because there was only one place with Wi-Fi. You know, we didn't have it in a bungalow. So my wife's passed out sleeping, you know, she, we, we were exhausted, but I had some deals to close. Yeah. And what happened, the bartender snags my cell phone and takes a picture of me and starts making fun of me in Spanish, of course. So he's like stupid white boy. Americans don't know how to live. He's on his honeymoon. His beautiful wife is back in the bride. Doesn't he make enough money? Why does he have to work? You know, and all these things. And that moment I had a pretty big epiphany. I wanted to stay married. I wanted to one day have kids. Solid. You know? Okay. So far so good. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to have a life. And so so here's the thing. As an entrepreneur, we all think I'm going to start a business so I can build this beautiful life. But the reality of it is you, you're constantly in the fight. And as a new entrepreneur, you're, you're like worried, like, do I have the right marketing material? Do I have the right sales process? Am I making enough money? Did I hire that person? Right. And so I was very much what I like to call a helicopter delegator. Like I tell somebody to do it and then they do it and they'd screw it up. And then I'd have to go back over top of it and like fix it. Right. And so, you know, in that moment I knew this isn't the life that I wanted. This isn't where I wanted to be. And so, you know, I just committed to myself. I'd come back and I'd get real leverage in my business and real leverage. Part of this conversation, I'll walk through my journey and what we teach people and how, you know, virtual assistants can actually add value to businesses out there. So we'll talk about all these things, but I went through a two year journey to completely revamp my business. And then I exited for six months. I actually moved to South America with my wife with the intention that if I couldn't do it, I didn't deserve it. I should go back and like get a job. Yeah. Right. And that's really how my outdesk got started is, is this hyper intention on, I wanted to build a great life and I knew leverage and systems and processes were the key. What was your business? What specifically did you do in real estate prior to my outdesk before the honeymoon? Like what, what were you actually in? I'm a licensed broker. I still maintain my license. I'm a licensed contractor. I was a mortgage guy, a developer, flipper. I was going after value add stuff, right? Anything that I could take down, you know, massively shift. Like one of my favorite deals that I lost a lot of money on, by the way, was a radio tower. Like a radio tower got blown down in 2004. Like the tower actually fell on the street. And the city wouldn't allow the owner to rebuild it because he was making bank, you know, leasing radio waves. But it was an interior project, meaning it was infill in the city limits. And so the city was like, nope, you can't rebuild it. That was built in the 20s and 30s when there was nothing in this neighborhood, you know, (laughs) you know. And so I picked up that property, built some duplexes on it and learned a lot, which is code if you're an entrepreneur to losing money. So, you know, I was a real estate guy. I mean... And I focused on investments and I still do. I mean, I own the building that we're in right now. I have a couple investment properties that are commercial. You know, I got to go through the process of building out a business um, with virtual assistants myself. And then I was at a conference and a friend of mine said, hey, could you get me a couple virtual assistants? And I was like, and this is the accident part. I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. His name was Christian. And I was like, yeah, Christian, I could help you get some people, but it's really hard. And you know, it it requires a lot of work. And so I got to charge you something. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. And get me five. And then he, later it turned into 17. 
And he started to run his entire business with what we call a blended model where some of your staff are US-based, the sales and, and the leadership and the strategic stuff. And then all of the doing, the process, the system stuff, you know, the repetitive tasks, that's all ran by folks in the Philippines. What did Christian do? What was his business? Real estate? He's a real estate investor guy too. Yeah. So he was a real estate broker, investor, and he ended up with 17. We cut $150,000 a month off of his payroll. And, you know, he had a huge office. He was in San Diego. So he was one of the largest people in San Diego in terms of investments and flipping and buying and selling. And so he had a really big team, really big company. And, you know, when you have a huge operation, the challenge is profitability. And so we walked in there, helped him immediately reduce costs and really changed the kind of fabric of his business. And, you know, spent the next, I mean, he's still a client. That was April of 2008, literally. When was my out desk? When was that born? When when did you actually start? 2008? I mean, was that? Yeah, that, he was our first client. So you were an actual business. You weren't just doing it for somebody. And then you went, hey, this is a business. That's exactly what happened. I was implementing virtual assistants in 2007, you know, and I had gone through the kind of real estate, you know, rocket ship of the yeah. early 2000s. Then he said, well, could you get me five? And I was like, oh, crap if we're going to charge him something, it has to be a real business. Like we we need to incorporate and we need to get a bank account and you know, like all that stuff. We secured him as a client and uh, grew that team. And then we started selling it across the nation. And then we started helping people in Canada. And then eventually we now we're 13 years old and we've served 6,000 real estate individuals and companies, which is really, really cool. That's awesome. Talk to me a little bit, because this is more of an entrepreneurial question. And I'm always curious because I think a lot of folks who are entrepreneurs, we're in real estate, we love real estate, real estate's where we're, you know, kind of committed. But I think all of us sort of like, I do love to know how businesses get launched and what that looks like. So like how many people, how long was it just you in your business in in the, in in the, my, uh, my out desk, how long was it you and just in that business before you hired somebody? You know, we grew really organically in the beginning. So, you know, we hired virtual assistants in my real estate practice. And then when we brought on a customer, I leveraged some of those trained people to help the customer get onboarded and then so on and so forth. At some point, I want to say it was 2009 or 10, we hired somebody in the Philippines that just primarily focused on my outdesk. And then in 2011, we started searching for an operations person. My wife joined the business and we started hiring salespeople and marketing people. And now we have around 20 folks in, in the U.S. as employees, and then 40 people in the Philippines supporting the business. Wow. So we're in a total headcount in the companies are about 60-ish. Are the uh, 20 people in the United States local to you, or are they technically virtual people too? Well, they are local mostly to us okay. in Sacramento, California. That's our headquarters. Mm-hmm. But you know, with coronavirus and where we are in the world, I'm the only one besides one other person in the office right now. We're kind of lucky in the fact that we've always been a virtual assistant company. So we've always been virtual. So most of our people, you know, we actually planned in early March before coronavirus and we sent everyone home and said, Hey, you've got to work from home this week. Yeah. See how it goes. And, you know, we had to upgrade internet connections and add video and like there was just a lot of uh, learnings. But when when California got shut down, 
it didn't really affect our business. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I mean, there are some businesses that just were not set up and ready and conducive to be virtual. And there were some that are, and yours literally by definition and name are. So let's talk a little bit about virtual assistants. Number one, sure. let me ask you for your business, where do the virtual assistants come from? Are they all the Philippines? Is it other places as well? We're 100% in the Philippines. And the real reason is, so there are 28 million businesses. You're, you're an entrepreneur. I love talking to, especially interviews, talking to other entrepreneurs. It just makes it easy, right? So the U.S. has 28 million small and medium-sized businesses, okay? Only 4% ever get over a million dollars in revenue, 4%. So it's a very small number of businesses that really hit that, threshold. And we have a whole, you know, conversation about what it takes to get to a million dollars in revenue, what it takes to then get to the next evolution, which is $10 million in revenue. And then the next, which is 50. So there's these milestones where you have to transform your business. And we talk about that in the book, which we'll be giving away towards the end of this thing. But there's something we call the seven figure business roadmap, which here's what it looks like in the beginning. It's an, I do it. So if you're a single investor or a single real estate person and you're working on your own and you really don't have any employees or any partners, then it's the, I do it. And at some point you go, Eureka, I should add somebody, add a team member. And that becomes the, we do it. And so there's different struggles between I do it and we do it and they do it. Once you get to the, they do it, you're typically above a million dollars in revenue. You're not the only one at the company. You've got a team they're primarily focused on the business and kind of the sales and marketing and you're in leadership role. But here's the thing that we help most people get through in the, we do it, it's systems and process. And that's what I had to focus on after my, I mean, my honeymoon, I came back and I spent two years, like I documented everything. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> you'll, you'll laugh because I'd pull my agents into a room and we had a conference and I was like, hey, you guys are going to stop doing it the way you're doing it. And they're like, what do you mean? This is how I've been successful. I'm like, no, we're going to have our method, meaning this is the company's method yeah. for doing things. Yeah. We went through an entire process over several months where we came up with our own sales framework within the business. And we did that in every area of the business, the marketing, the sales, the operations, the service. And what happened was we were able then to document it all and put it into a system. And once you do that, that's how you move to the, they do it. And you know, that's typically what we're talking to, to customers about. Okay. Let me ask you this then all your, your folks are in the Philippines, your, your virtuals. Why, why the Philippines? Why? I love that question. South America or wherever else, you know? Well, there's nothing wrong with South America. I've got good friends in Colombia. I've got good friends in like Costa Rica who operate outsourcing companies. Uh, Number one, we find that those costs are a little bit higher. The price point is higher than than the Philippines. The other piece is 94% of Filipinos are Catholic, meaning they come from like a Christian faith, right? So that means their, their sense of right and wrong very much lines up with the American sense of right and wrong. If you go to other places in Southeast Asia, right and wrong is a little different in each country. You know, like okay. you, what you can get away with is right in China, right? right. So, so there's very much a cultural lineup, number one. Number two, English is a first language there, meaning when you drive down the road, 
all the street signs aren't in Filipino. They're in English. All the medical journals, all the legal stuff. It's the one uh, language that unifies all the 7,000 islands. It's a very, very much an island-based country. So, you know, and there's different dialects in different areas, but English unites the entire country and they start learning it as kids in school and they learn to read and write. And, and so you've got cultural similarities. English isn't a challenge. Most people are like, well, they, will they speak English? Like, but if I ask them to call somebody, will the person on the other line understand them? And so that is overcome with the Philippines. It's the number one spot for voice outsourcing. So it's the number one spot in the world. And then there's something about their culture too. I'll describe it like this. They very much care about the family or the unit or the group. And so we call ourselves the mod family. You'll see like MOD, right? So they align with that. And what we found our clients telling us is that, man, I didn't know somebody would charge so hard to help me grow this business. And that's, that's a reoccurring thing within the company is we just, I mean, I got this great text. We're helping a um, franchisor on the East Coast. They own a bunch of Midas dealerships, 12 different Midas dealerships. And he's a CEO and he calls us up and he's doing a consultation with us. And we're going through the process. We're trying to understand what the pain points are and what we can serve and how we can help them. We found out, you know, how they run their company, who's on the team, what their tech stack is. We just go through a process with all of our clients. Turns out the guy, you know, doesn't have an assistant. So he's running a multi-million dollar company as the CEO and he doesn't have an assistant. So he's the one that books his own stuff. He's the one that does all the tedious stuff. And each one of these managers had access to him. So he'd get pinged all day long on Slack. Like, Hey, I need help with this or I need. And so he's the CEO and he's like, and so I'm like, dude, you just need to hire a virtual assistant as your assistant, as a personal assistant. So we hire him. He sends me a text. He's like so excited because he's like, I've been procrastinating getting this barn door fixed at my home and my wife keeps complaining. So I took measurements, send the measurements to my virtual assistant. She ordered a barn door for me. I know that sounds ridiculous, but you know, like that kind of peace of mind is something that we help people do. We've helped people basically buy back some of their time. So that was his first hire. His second hire was an ISA, like an inside sales agent. And the gal's first week, she set 33 appointments, 33 appointments for Midas mufflers and oil changes. Wait, was that a cold calling kind of activity or something else? It was just, they have a CRM okay. with a huge database of, yeah. you know, they've been in business for 20 plus years. And so there's a huge list of people who just haven't been in in a while. So she literally just called them up and said, Hey, we wanted to schedule you. We see that you've, you know, it's been nine months since you last come in. It's time. Can yeah. we get you in? Yeah. And then she just books appointments, nice. you know, and it's all revenue that they wouldn't have seen otherwise. That's what we do is we help find the areas of opportunities with our clients. I know that one of the hurdles to hiring anybody at all, but certainly uh, a VA from the Philippines is the the process of hiring, right? <laughs> like interviewing, knowing what to ask, because I, yeah. know, I know plenty of people who've hired VAs from the Philippines and tried to do it themselves. and It was a disaster, right? Uh, and in all fairness to you, I know people who've tried to hire people down the road from them and it's been a disaster, right? So hiring is hard anyway, but I would assume that hiring VAs in the Philippines has nuances that you have to be kind of aware of. So what are some of the things that you guys do as a company to help smooth out that process a little bit for folks? 
I'm going to go over that. I'm going to answer that with a little bit of a story. You know, when you're installing windows, I'm a contractor, real estate guy. I love it. So when you're installing windows, you know, there's, you got to put in kind of the waterproofing around the hole. Then you got to put the window in, you got to attach it. Then you want to seal that window with some sort of a caulking or, you know, a styrofoam to like block any holes that might be there. Then you put a waterproofing on top of it and then you put siding on top of it then you paint and hopefully if you do it right in the right process the window's not going to leak right but there are different types of windows right so there's replacement windows and there's brand new construction windows so in the process of building a home there's a step-by-step process in the process of building leverage in your business there's a step-by-step process and that's purely exactly what we help our clients focus on When you come in and do a consultation with us, we go through who's on your team now. What training do you have available? What's your IT stack? Do you have a CRM? Do you have a list? Are you currently successful at this thing that you're trying to hire towards, right? So many entrepreneurs hear a podcast from Mike. Mike's got an amazing guest who has spent 10 years building a business. And then he simplifies that process and says, hey, here's how you do it. And what they miss is like the 10 years where he, he learned a lot and lost a lot, but focused and fought, you know, you don't typically in one of these success videos, you don't talk about all the work you put into it. So you hear a podcast, you say, I'm going to add that to my business. I'm in. And you're like, I'm going to hire a virtual assistant to do it. And we're like, no, no, no. If you've never done it before, if you've never struggled through it, you know, as a company yourself, it's very difficult to hire virtual assistants and have them come in and then be successful at that. So we help people realize what they have currently and who they need to, you know, to really double their business. We're, our whole world is like, hey, how do we take you from half a million to a million or from 200,000 to 400? Like, that's the specific question that we like to you know, ask folks. And, you know, the hiring process is like installing windows in a house. You know, you start with a resume, you do a phone screen, you do a face-to-face interview, then you do a reference check, then you do a final interview, then you get all their paperwork, then you put them through some sort of a training. And I'm giving you guys our process, our training. We have, we have 300 online like courses where somebody can get some education about what real estate is and, you know, what's a closing statement, you know, what's a contract and like all the basic details. After that training, then we, we actually sit them in front of our clients to do an interview. We have, you know, a face-to-face Zoom interview. We give you the right questions. We walk you through, you know, competency, like can they do the work and fit, culture fit. Those are the two main kind of screening criteria that we help clients with. Our process We've done this now 6,000 times, right? So I failed. You know, we had that 10 years, you know, of failure. We failed multiple times and we screwed it up. And so we've tweaked it so that when clients come through it, they're typically happy. So this person has gone through a level of vetting, interviews, training, and all this before I would ever see them as a client. When I come to you and say, hey, I need some help, and, and you kind of look into the business, and, and I tell you what I want, and you kind of look at what's happening, you give me some idea of what you think I need, and then am I presented with three options, one option? How many options do I get? And what if the first person you bring me or the first three people are just like, this isn't, gonna, this isn't the right person for me? We have a client who is on the East Coast who literally, it took him 45 days, and like, 
I want to say like eight interviews before he selected somebody. And usually we're like one or two and maybe sometimes three interviews. Like that's kind of our normal process. But this guy had a very specific requirement. He knew exactly what he wanted. So it took us a little bit longer, but our normal process is you, you know, sign up today, you interview the next day and you select a start date, the third, like literally wow. it's one, two, three. So we're, we're the easy button for talent. Our job is, you know, we know all the things that a real estate company does. Cause that's just kind of what we do, whether, you know, we have tech companies and insurance companies and here's the reality. They're all the same. We all think we have a special baby, even my business. There's nothing different about business. It's just, there's some different tweaks on models. We help people find leverage and buy back some of their time. And if you need that, that's how you know you should call us. As a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a house flipper, wholesaler, landlord, I'm listening to this and I'm saying, okay, sounds good. Sounds great. What does it cost? Everyone loves these details, but then at the end of the day, what is it going to cost me on average? I know it probably depends on the job to some extent, but on average, what can I expect if I want someone to do follow-up for me, like get appointments, right? Like I want them to call yep. to my database and help me not miss anything that's, that's there that I could be monetizing. What price range should I be expecting to pay? The hard cost of just the person, just the leverage is about $430 a week. That's our all-in cost. And we, this is what's crazy. We stack value. It's crazy. So we're giving them healthcare they get vacation time. We have full benefits for them. We do two conferences a year. You know, this year it'll be a virtual conference, which is our first virtual conference, which is funny as a virtual company, but we're doing a virtual conference. We also have a tech stack. So we have a time and attendance plus a productivity app. So they get access to that. So you can see what your virtual assistant is up to and that they're working and and doing their, you know, doing their job. We're doing like FBI grade background checks. We're doing calls to their previous employment to verify that. So Mike, if you came to me and said, Hey, I need a prospector. We would not try to build a prospector. We're not going to go find somebody who says, yeah, I think I can be on the phones. I think I can do sales. We're simply going to find somebody who spent the last seven years of their life or five years or 10 years selling people stuff on the phone. And we're going to snag them from that, that job. And then we're going to say, Mike, you should interview them. And then you get to select. So we're not building leverage here. I'm not training them to do something that they've never done before. We're simply finding people who are successful now and having them come work for you. Okay. So that brings up a couple questions for me. Can I hire somebody part-time if I'm not ready and don't have the workload for a full-time person? I love that question. I'm going to break down all the different options for people. So you have project-based companies out there. Fiverr is a great example. I need a new marketing piece or I need a new flyer made or I need a new postcard sent out. I need somebody to design it. Fiverr, you pay 20, 40 bucks, you'll get a new postcard. Not what we do. You need a part-time person. Upwork has a bazillion part-time project-based people. I want you guys to think of Upwork and Fiverr as dating sites and we're a marriage site. So we are only full-time people. We've done part-time in the past. It was just kind of wonky having two different customers, two different kind of outcomes that we were focused on. And then the split shift and our people are really good. So at some point the clients were like, I want them, I want, you know, and it just, it was really wonky. So think of us, as a marriage site 
and will help you create a plan to take advantage of the full-time capacity. And if you're not ready, we'll help you find other leverage outside. The real question is like, at what point should I hire a virtual assistant, right? Typically, we're thinking around 150 to 200,000 in annual revenue. Once you're in that space, it starts becoming, you know, your time starts becoming really valuable. You know, that's the minimum. And, you know, we serve, like we help Zillow build out their entire concierge sales model. They actually, in 2013, they came to us and said, hey, we have a huge problem. You know, we're selling leads to this industry and they keep telling us that our leads suck. We don't think our leads suck, but we're not really sure. And I'm like, okay, well, we built a team internal to Zillow. We put some technology around it. And then we serviced 50 different markets where we were the callers for Zillow. And we would warm transfer, you know, buyers and sellers directly to agents, right? After the success of that program, they paid us a ton of money to do this. They completely changed their model. And now the concierge model that they have is based on the process and system that we built for them. I tell you this because most people, they just need a little support around the system and process and what they're trying to accomplish. And that's what we'll do in our consult. You equated what you're doing here to a marriage. So let's keep that theme. The person that you introduced to me as a potential spouse, are they going to be married to anybody else while they're married to me? Or is it completely a monogamous marriage? (laughs) Yes. It's it's a one-on-one relationship. It's interesting. There's a lot of different models out there, but I'm an entrepreneur and I'm very firm believer in compound leverage. We're all investors, right? So compound interest, everybody knows it. You know, you buy it seven years, it doubles, you know, all that beautiful stuff, right? Compound leverage works very similarly for an entrepreneur or a business. There's a point at which, and I'm just going to tell you guys, and this is our experience at six months, lights go off. At two years, people master their roles. At five years, they become uh, what I would consider a strategic partner in your business. And so there's these checkpoints. And and what happens is the value of somebody really, really increases over time. And, you know, compound leverage, here's the point. If you give away, if you put something in a system and a tap or a system and a process, and then you delegate it down. And then you train that person in that system of process. And let's say it used to take you two or three hours every day. Well, you just bought two or three hours of your day back. If you do nothing but sit on the couch and eat potato chips and watch whatever's on Netflix, no compound leverage, right? Or compound, you know, it's just not going to happen. But if you take those two or three hours and then you focus on growing the business, that's when you start seeing magic. That's when scale starts to happen. So a couple of questions. And we talked at the beginning jokingly about like gotcha questions. And I don't have any of those. It's not that not that kind of a show. But I will tell you, I have hired virtual assistants from the Philippines. Here was yep. the struggle I had. And, and what would you say to someone like me who's not skeptical, wrong word. I would say a little bit like bad experience. I sort of want to ask you a question. I want to tell you what I think. But I guess I'm going to ask you a question, then I'm going to tell you my experience. My question is, can your virtual assistants, the ones that you guys present in entrepreneurs, owners of businesses as, as solutions, can they think typically outside the box? Can you give them complex set of instructions or a complex job description? Because what I have found in my small sample size of just the one or two times I've tried to do this is folks from the Philippines are great workers, hard workers, honest people. Everything you said is 100% true. 
but they tend to be slightly robotic and very, very one-track thinking. So if you give them a specific task, they'll crush it. If you give them a task that has a little bit of independent thinking going on, it tends to go off the rails. What is your experience and what do you say to someone who maybe had that experience and is concerned? It's beautiful. You are highlighting our biggest challenge in our business. It's not that they can't speak or think independently or they don't know. It's that you haven't documented your system and process well enough. And I know that sounds crazy, but here's an example, right? I was just helping a really large in our space. So a real estate tech data provider. I was just helping them to develop a framework for their customer support system. And the framework of their customer support, what I asked it, and they have three people and their whole job is to help people use their tech platform to find properties, right? And so we're going through what their steps are. And you know, every sales process or service process or operation process has an if-then statement. If the client says this, then you want to do this. If they say this, then you want to do this. And it's not really rocket science. It's just the work of documenting that it's hard. And so what we help our clients do is go through a process where you build a framework. I'll give you an example. LP Mama. If you're in the real estate world, you know, it's location, price, motivation. Are you working with an agent? Do you currently have a mortgage approval and then appointment, right? So these are all the questions you might ask somebody who's thinking about buying a house, right? So LP Mama is an example of a framework. Now it's not a script because scripts don't work, but it's a framework. Like what, what location are you at? What price point are you approved for? You know, what's your motivation for moving? Like these are all questions that you can ask, but it doesn't, it's not a robotic script. So once you have all those things defined, then you need an objection handler document. These are the 27 objections. And anytime a virtual assistant or really an employee runs into an objection, you just write it down. And then in your morning huddle, you talk about it. They go to you, Mike, because you're the expert. You tell them how you would handle the, the scenario. You document it. You practice that scripting over time. Then you need a positioning. Why would somebody buy or sell or invest with you, Mike, versus somebody else? There's a lot of investment options. Once you have a positioning document, now you need a value proposition. Like what is unique about your company that, you know, the competition can't touch or that you deliver for that particular group of buyers or sellers or product offerings. So I'm, I'm walking through right now, a fully defined system and process for a sales. But that same system and process, you need to add for anybody who's in service or anybody who's in the operations side. So, sorry, that's a really long-winded answer. I mean, it's fair. I guess my question though is, and you answered it, but I want to just make sure I'm being clear. They can handle complex structures as long as it's all sort of spelled out and predefined and there's there's an answer to every question. But my concern was inevitably you can be prepared for 80 to 90% of the questions. You can't be prepared for 100% of the questions. So there will be questions that will just require a little bit of thinking on the feet and a little bit of common sense. To me, that is the the one thing where we got stuck a little bit. And and I will say, again, this isn't like designed to be like, oh my God, we had this perfect structure and it still didn't work. No, we had a horrible structure and we had a horrible flow chart of if-then statements. We did. But it seemed as if when there was a question asked or a scenario that came up that should have been very clear based off of all the other instruction, like it's a clearly defined goal that there were, there was some trip up. So that was, and again, we didn't have the greatest system in the world, but I found like 
If there is a need to think on your feet and utilize deductive reasoning, that was where we struggled a little bit. You know, we help entrepreneurs realize there's only one of you. True. It's true. And, and I listen, we've had this trouble with people in person too. I understand that. But okay, let me ask you one more question. Let's move on from that. Because you gave me a good answer. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. I want to clarify because it's really important. This is a this is probably the mindset that stops people from building multi-million businesses, multi-million dollar businesses more than anything else in the world. Why can't they do it just like me? Or why can't they think about above the box or like, you know, the average person in the US can't even find us on a, a world map. Like literally, have you ever seen those videos on Facebook or where where they're like, can you show us where Africa is and they point to a place. No, that's, that's a state. That's not the continent. The reality is you have to make it. I'm going to give you an example. I have a friend, brilliant guy in LA investor, real estate person, really smart guy. He has a spreadsheet and I'm talking about this spreadsheet is just phenomenal. It's very complex. It has a lot of moving parts, a lot of different lead sources, a lot of if you do this, then you move it to this spreadsheet and yep. this person starts following up. So it's very complex. It's very you know detailed, but it's complicated. So his problem is instead of somebody being up to speed in like 90 days, it takes six months to a year before they truly master the spreadsheet. But guess what? His spreadsheet really works for his business. It really works for the leads that he's going after. It really works. The challenge is if he was scaling this to a national space, he'd have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars defining those steps in uh, some sort of a CRM or some sort of a process-based thing. Not all businesses are designed to scale. And how complex your things are will be the ease to bring employees in So the harder it is, the more complex, the longer it took you to develop, the harder it is going to be to onboard somebody into it. The simpler it is. I mean, you think about a Navy SEAL or somebody who's in the military and is, you know, in the top 1% of the 1%, they practice the same moves over and over and over. And it's very simplistic moves. There's nothing rocket science about it. It's like you're going to float in this water for three hours every day for the next 10 years so that you're prepared for when you have to do that. It's not complex. So business isn't complex. So the easier and more simple the system is, the easier somebody can take it over for you and run it and do it just like you. The more complex it is, the harder it is, and the more difficult the find of talent is going to be that's going to be able to run that system. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. I mean, that makes total sense. And listen, those are the questions that I had that potentially other people are, are thinking about. And I think you answered it very, very well. But the bottom line is this, guys. I use virtual assistants and and they're not all like they're not Filipino based right now. But in this world that we're in, (laughs) if you're not exploring using virtual assistants and by the way, the the cost that you articulated with insurance and, and, and all these sick days and vacations, like $430 a month is like, you can't do that locally. A week. week, week. I'm sorry. sorry, A week. I'm I'm sorry. A week. That's not going to most likely happen if you hire, you know, Sally from down the road, it's just not going to be the case. So, I love the concept. I think it's a hundred percent necessary, and I'd be surprised if your business doesn't and it hasn't already started exploding from everything that's happening right now, and well as well it should because I think everyone should be should be utilizing this, especially like the guy you said, the CEO of of uh, uh, was it 
Midas, Midas groups. Yeah. Didn't have an assistant. Like I'm sure he makes more than I do. And, uh, I have an assistant because <laughs> I know how much time it saves me in my, just having that alone. Like I would think almost everybody who has a business that's over a hundred thousand, over 200,000, like at the very least they need an assistant to help them with the stuff that it's just their pay grade is higher than that stuff. They need to find someone else to do it. And you know, the reason people don't is it's just hard to train somebody to bring them into your world yeah. and, and to get what you, you know, to feel, you know, to spend the six months of pain to get somebody yeah. trained, you know, it's a big challenge, especially if you're a busy entrepreneur and you're doing lots of things, but there is a point at which you're like, Oh my God, I just bought half of my day back. How much money are you leaving on the table? How much scalability, if that's your goal, are you sacrificing because you just don't want to spend a little time to train somebody like that's, Obviously, that's that's crazy, and I learned that too. I mean, I, I have a whole book dedicated to scaling. I get it. You have to hiring is a is an absolutely critical component. You only have so much time in the day. I don't care how efficient you are. You could be more efficient than anybody on earth. You still have a ceiling and a bandwidth of what you can possibly do because, unfortunately, we all have to sleep. And even if you didn't, there's still a, a ceiling, right? Bill Gates didn't build Microsoft by himself. Well, listen, man, this has been awesome. I, I appreciate your time. I, I do want to make sure that um, we talk about the book. You mentioned that there's a digital download of your book that you are willing to give out. I think it's very cool. Why don't you go ahead and let people know how they can get that? So if you're listening and you want to explore more and get a consultation and find maybe go through a process with us, the best way to do that is to text SVP. So it's scale with virtual professionals. So Sam, Victor, Paul, you text SVP in the message to this phone number, 31996. That phone number again, 31996. That's the number you text to with the message SVP, Scale with Virtual Professionals. Love it. And we'll put that in the show notes for everybody. And then again, the book is Scaling Your Business with My Outdesk, Virtual Professionals, How to Drive Revenue, Save Time, and Create Your Dream Company. That's what we want, guys. We want time. I'm telling you. I was had this conversation with somebody yesterday. What is everyone's goal? Some people think it's money. It may be, but it really probably isn't. More than likely, it's freedom. It's time. It's all the things that money can provide. And and how better to do that than to free up a lot of your time that you are doing probably things you shouldn't be doing anyway. So, Daniel, man, thank you for this. I really, really appreciate it. Where can they go to, to just go to your website? Is there a, a place that you want to send them? Yeah, just jump on our website. It's MyOutDesk. So M-Y-O-U-T-D-E-S-K. So MyOutDesk.com. And my suggestion is go to our media drop down. There's blogs, videos, podcasts. You can grab a copy of the book there too, if you'd like. But it's a lot of good stuff for entrepreneurs who are thinking about leverage in their world. Love it. All right, Daniel. Thank you. I appreciate your time today very much. Mike, I think you're being candid and taking the, the questions that I think maybe people were asking in their mind and just, just uh, entertaining those. And thank you for your honesty. Yeah, my pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me today. Awesome. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Daniel. The bottom line is I think everyone should be considering a virtual assistant. Number one, it's cost effective. Number two, we're in a virtual world now, guys. I don't know when it's going to change. Maybe it'll go back to complete normal soon. I don't know that anybody really thinks that's going to happen. So getting on board with virtual assistants, even if it's just an like an assistant, like a personal assistant to handle some of the tasks that's taken up a lot of your day, I think is absolutely necessary. I have it. And I really think that it's something that should be considered as you try to scale your business and get some of your time back. And it's not that expensive, $430 a week. Like he said, it's, it's, it's a wage that you probably couldn't get away with paying someone full-time locally, but they get benefits, they get vacation, they get all these things that you probably couldn't also afford to give to them. So it's a great situation. It's something I think is valuable 
for, for most of us listening. So I would encourage you to check that out. At the very least, go get the free digital download. Check out his book and see more about the whole process and see if it makes sense for you. But hopefully you enjoy that. Hopefully you got something out of it. But guys, listen. You don't need a virtual assistant if you haven't even started yet. You have to get out there and just start, make some waves, make some things happen, start generating revenue, and then build your team, scale your business. That's the name of the game, guys. Get out there and get started. Make today the best day ever. Okay. You're still there. You're still listening. That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. Now, hopefully it wasn't an accident. Hopefully you didn't leave the room and I'm just talking to an empty room right now. But assuming you're still there, I want to do something really, really cool for you. For a limited time, I want to give you a free digital download of my book, the entire book, Level Jumping. If you're a listener to the show, you know it just came out and it really details how I took my business from being like one where I was just doing a few deals a month, maybe one or two deals a month, to doing over 10 and sometimes 15 deals a month and over a hundred a year. And I went from doing very little profit to over a million dollars in profit. And I made that transformation in a 12 month period. And this book talks about what I did, the steps I took to transform my business and how you can too. So grab a free digital download and you can get that by texting the words, just start as two words. Now just start to the number five, five, four, four, Four. So text just start to 55444. I will send you a free digital download of my book. It's the complete book. There's nothing held back. And that'll be completely yours just for making it to the end of the show and listening to me. And I really, really appreciate it, guys. So I want to do something nice for you. I do this every once in a while at the end of shows. And if you listen to the very end, every once in a while, I do a giveaway like this. So hopefully you enjoy that. Go grab a free copy. I hope you read it. I hope you love it. Reach out. Let me know what you think. All right, guys. Talk to you next time.